On this episode, I interview Jackson McKellar, who is a rehabilitation coordinator with the New Zealand Warriors. This podcast had two main topics. We first started talking about Jackson's role as a rehabilitation coordinator, explaining what that role entails, what his day and week looks like, what other staff members he works with, and how they all collaborate and work together. The next topic we talked about was how coming up through the grades, coming up through community sport is an important part Jackson feels in his transition to the professional setting. We talk about different lessons he's learned coming up through the grades in the community sports. We've talked about the differences in a consultation in the, in the professional setting than a private clinic, how seeing an athlete from day to day changes the treatment and things you can do, the differences in pressure in the pro level versus the lower grades in community sports, how he communicates with coaches, how he managed the transition of having all these resources and um, all this time with the athletes, how to best utilize that. And finally, we just talked about some of his principles being a strength edition coach as well as a physio and how he implements those. So great episode. Here it is. Welcome to No Week Links with Patrick Wood. The purpose of this podcast is to help you learn up-to-date evidence-based content and knowledge through life experiences. This podcast is perfect for athletes, strength and conditioning coaches, rehab professionals, or anyone in the sports performance or sports medicine industry. So please, have a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Noic Links. I'm your host, Patrick Wood, and today I have on Jackson McKellar, who is the rehabilitation coordinator with the New Zealand Warriors. So thank you very much for taking the time to come on today. Uh, we'll go through a couple different topics here. Uh, we'll start start off talking a little bit more about his role and expanding on that. Uh, and then from there, we can kind of go into, I guess, a little bit more of the bulk of what we're going to talk about, which is uh, coming up through the grades and transitioning to professional lessons learned and, and things along those terms. So again, thank you very much for being on. If you first just want to give us a little background on yourself, uh, kind of how you got to where you are today, and and then we can yeah expand on, on your current role. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on. So um, I'm a physiotherapist first and foremost. I um, <clears throat> graduated uh, 2016 from ACU in Brisbane uh, after growing up. Uh, up in central Queensland, a little town called Biloela. Um, yeah, graduated uh, and worked in private clinic for a few years. Um, around that time, I was involved in rugby league, but I was actually a referee, so I didn't really work in sport as a physio. It was purely clinical. Um, met my girlfriend overseas and moved to Victoria, which put an end to that, uh, um, you know, put an end to the refereeing side of things. And um, I didn't last too long out of footy. I lasted about six months and I hit up um, NRL Victoria or the Melbourne Storm to see if they had any jobs going. And uh, thankfully they did. They um, they took me on as their Jersey flag under 20 physiotherapist. Um, around that time, I, I ended up starting my postgrad in sports physiotherapy. Um, worked with, uh, yeah, the Melbourne Storm or NRL Victoria under 20s for two years. Um, then, of course, COVID hit. Uh, competitions were shut down. So I was just working away in a clinic at that point in time. Um, then when we thought we were out, the, out of the worst of it, I, uh, I then worked, I joined an AFL or a VFL team, the Northern Bullets. It was a pretty cool experience because they'd just come back into the league for the first time. So we're pretty much rebuilding a whole new club there. Um, opportunity to, to see a new sport. And then um, spent two years there, uh, finished off my sports masters, got some really good practice in, 
um, at the Sydney Swans and the Queensland Reds, which I'll always be thankful for. Um, was also getting some time in at the Melbourne Storm, um, helping out where I could uh, with their NRL team. Um, and then in October, I was lucky enough to, to be um, offered a role as the NRL Rehabilitation Coordinator here in Auckland with the New Zealand Warriors, which is super exciting given that the Warriors haven't been home in you know, quite a few years and there's a really good vibe around being back in Auckland um, and, and, and obviously you know, looking for some success that the club's been striving for for you know, a number of years now. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Yeah, no, thanks. Um, good amount of experiences there. And um, I guess, like I said, the next thing we'll, we'll kind of talk about is is that role. So, as what uh, you know, you see these roles coming up around more often. You know, you rehab SNC, you rehab physio, you rehab coordinator roles. Um, a lot of the in between of that physio SNC or trying to bridge the gap as much as as much as they can. So, I guess, uh, and the, you know, I think it's still writing itself as exactly how it functions and what it does within within the different models, which can obviously change depending on the staff at each club, but. Uh, what what is yours entail and kind of uh, yeah what do you do on a day to day basis or what are your main principles and roles within it? Yeah, it's interesting because you know our medical team structure is I think quite different compared to some of the environments I've been in in the past. So we have a head um, physiotherapy coordinator, um, David, and he he is essentially the head NRL physio. Um, but he looks after a lot. He's very good at the admin side of stuff. So he looks after, you know, organising scans, but then also looking after the physiotherapists for all the younger grades as well. So he really coordinates, you know, the physiotherapy program at the at the club. Then we have uh, our on-field head physiotherapist, which is Jed. Um, and he, he essentially really looks after, you know, the day-to-day modifications of the players that aren't necessarily injured but need modifications. He'll assess the acute injuries, obviously, you know, physiotherapists by trades or treats as well. Um, in the gym for modifications, etc., um, and then I sort of fit in under that as a, as a rehabilitation coordinator. And so, uh, if a player gets injured, um, obviously as a collective, as a physiotherapy unit, we you know we gather all our information, assessment results, usually done by Jed, scan results, um, and then we'll sit down and we'll write our you know our our plan out, you know week to week plan or month to month plan, depending how long, or day to day plan, depending on how long the um, the injury is. Um, so I, I look after a bit of that, um, writing up those plans. And then and then we sort of get together as a, um, a high performance unit and I'll, and I'll present that plan or one of the physios will present that plan, but it's obviously collective. Um, then from there, I'll look after the acute management of, of the player. So essentially getting the player from the bed back to their first, oh, it's, it's variable obviously depending on the injury, but essentially when a player looks like they're going to start transitioning into you know, into team skills, light team skills, um, then um, then we sort of hand over to, to the SNC team, which is, is in our space, rehab space, is led by a guy named Matt Tui. But, you know, like most of your other guests have spoken about as well, it's collected the whole time. Like Matt is there from the start. Um, you know, him and I talk about, you know, every player. And even when they're, you know, they're back in training, you know, him and I will still talk about, you know, rehab exercises that I can give them in the gym, etc. So, um, that's a little bit about the position. Um, obviously, when we have rehab meetings, I sort of try and take a lead a little bit around the plans and where the player's at. But like every meeting in a high-performance team, you know, it takes about two minutes and everyone's talking. So, um, but that's a little bit of the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah, okay. And uh, what, what, um, what would you say in, obviously not a normal day because it's going to be different, but 
roughly how would your day be structured throughout on uh, yeah just throughout the week obviously like i said it can change or or maybe daily and then roughly weekly what do you look like what do you do yeah i guess it'd probably be really nice i guess to talk about um you know obviously this is my first uh full-time gig in sport so we've just come finishing up pre-season going into our first trial tomorrow so the whole pre-season was a, was a massive learning experience for me because uh, they're long days. You know, we're at the club at 6.30 for meetings, treatment, uh, field, gym, wrestle sessions, getting out of there at 5 o'clock. Um, so for me, I'm obviously there early for the, the high-performance um, um, meetings and then, uh, you know, I'm a physio, so I'll treat as well. I'll have the return to play or group of players that I treat and look after to try and keep that fairly consistent. Um, you know, I'll definitely help with blokes that just need, you know, treatment on the side as well, but I'll look after that core group of um, RTP players. Uh, then depending on the day, we'll usually go into a field session. So I'll have rehab run sessions um, or off feet sessions, depending on, on what we've got in the group. Um, and then in the afternoon, we'll usually have gym or, or a wrestle session or both depending on the day. Um, obviously now heading into a, um, you know, a, a, well, a game week really that's that's been obviously reduced quite a bit but the nuts and bolts of my day don't really change to be fair i'll have you know so just based on this week i'll have you know meetings in the morning first thing in the morning then we'll have our treatment group um and then if players need to run i'll take them out and run even if there's not a field session on that day or we try and mirror it up with the field session of the team and then gym um so it, it doesn't change too much it's just obviously becomes a little bit more condensed uh when games start yeah, and with your uh, with your players, how much? Obviously, you know you, they need to be specific to them. But how much integration and, and I guess collaboration alongside the the main group is it? Is it uh, you know you're trying to mirror what they're doing? So if they're on field, they're, you're on field as well. They're in gym, you're in gym doing rehab as well. Or is, um, sometimes obviously you have to adjust too. Though. Yeah, like Matt. Matt and I would talk. Like to you know, Matt takes uh, he's help take a lead on this obviously for me coming just starting into the club but we try and keep players on the same schedule as the team as best we can obviously if a player is just starting back running and we can only run them every second day that might be a little bit different especially if the if the squad has a day off um and i guess that's the joys of, of being you know in elite sports sometimes there are no days off but um so we try and keep them as close as we can obviously you've got other logistics like uh at mount smart stadium where we are we train on one field um, we've had, you know, a, a lot of rain lately, so we've been washed out. So we've had to try and change that or just make things work. But to the best we can, we'll keep the players, you know, on the same schedule. Yeah. Um, so I guess that, that's a good summary. Anything else you think we need to cover on, on that? I think I think that's a really good explanation of, of kind of your role, how you integrate with others, what staff members you have, and then what your daily and weekly basis look like. Is there anything else you want to add to that? No, I think like I think the NRL, you know, the rehabilitation coordinator role, you know, as you said, I, I've seen it starting to get, um, you know, thrown out there a fair bit lately. And I think each club's going to have, you know, a different meaning for for our club. It, it just seems to be working at the moment. It was a newly created role. They hadn't had one before. So I think there was a little bit of, you know, let's just see what works and, and um, you know, and see what doesn't. So, no, I think um, for the time being, that's probably covered it. Yeah, great. Um I know we, we we briefly talked before this about some um, brainstorming ideas for the podcast, and one thing you brought up was um, coming up through grades and, and working 
within sport at lower levels, which has really helped you progress and get the opportunities you have now. So I guess uh, what what lessons and what big reasons and, and what's your why behind that um, that helped you get where you are today? I think it's a it's an interesting topic because obviously on social media and, and you know rightfully so to some degrees I think you know there's a lot of contention around pay for you know people who work at junior clubs and you know for the time that we give up as you know as physios or trainers or SNCs but I think just being in full time sport now for the first time I think it, it it's just highlighted to me how important it was to actually be in a team environment. I think working in the private sector, and I think the, the private sector is doing some, is, is, you know, coming along really, really good, especially from an SNC point of view, integrating rehab. But I think I'd just caution anyone who wants to, who really has their mind set on working in an elite team sport environment of just staying in the private sector and then trying to get across because you're not going to get the ins and outs of how, it, you know, how a team functions, even at, a, you know, under 16 or 17 level, you see how, junior athletes interact with each other, how they interact with coaches. And, you know, half our job is, is managing people, both as physios and, and coaches. So um, in a one-on-one environment in, in a clinical setting, that, that can be really easy. You get to know, you know, what the person did on the weekend and, you know, build a really good relationship. But it's a little bit different when, you know, you're invested in a whole group and, you know, you're invested in the result of the group. So I think for me, just working in, in a, you know, in the team environment, you know, apart from all the clinical skills that you learn and you learn, you know, how far you can push athletes for sure, especially regular league players, uh, what they're willing to put their body through. You just more or less learn about how athletes sort of work within each other and, and, you know, how to manage people. I think that's what I really found to be important stepping into my role that I've got at the moment. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a good point you mentioned there too, of um, even while the, might be younger and and I guess quote unquote less prestigious the the younger grades some of them are still you know pretty elite whether that's that's an academy system somewhere or whether that's um, you know even like a high level group of young athletes that still has access to higher quality coaches and and properly structured training sessions etc that might only be training two days a week but it doesn't mean those two days aren't you know solid two day sessions that will help along the career would you agree with that statement yeah. A hundred percent. And also, you know, I've, I've even been caught in, in this environment and, you know, I joke about it, but um, now, but like, you know, you've got these great ideas that, that are, you know, that are based on clinical stuff that you used in the past. And then you come to, a, you know, a high performance meeting, you say, here are my ideas about what we should do clinically. And, and you'll, you know, they'll just say, well, how's that kind of fit into this bloke's day? Like he's got, you know, wrestle, gym, tackle tech, field. And, you know, you want to find your time to do your, you know, your heavy ISOs in, in there as well. Like, and that's just one thing that, you know, I've been, I even get caught out at this, at this level that, you know, you've got to, you're working within a team, within a team. So, it, you know, you can't just rely on something that you can, you can do one-on-one with someone for an hour because it's not always going to correlate, even though that might be the right thing to do. It, it you know, it just doesn't work in the environment you're working in. Yeah, and I think uh, I love the fact you mentioned it. Uh, managing, it's more like a managing players throughout because obviously, yeah, in the clinical setting, you have usually have you know one thirty minute block, one thirty minute block, one thirty minute block. So you have dedicated time with there, but obviously you're going to be in charge of you know anywhere depending on the injuries. Obviously, two, ten to you know eight, whatever, how many are majorly injured players, but you're going to be probably having to deal with them all at the same time. So then you're going to have to figure out how the best structure yourself along them as well as 
making sure that they're staying busy and not just sitting there doing nothing. For sure. And I think work, even it's, it's even the little things, like if you've been around and people who have worked in sport, you know, around teams will understand it's like, you're going to have people that, you know, you're going to have your players that come in and I'll take the piss out of everyone in the room, including you. And you've got to be ready for that. And you've got to have thick skin or you've got to be able to, you know, at least give it back a little bit within the team environment. And it's about building respect in that sense. And you'll have players who will come in and they don't talk. And, you know, it, one of the big misconceptions I think is that um, a lot of people think teams, everyone in the team, they're all best mates, but, there's people in teams that just don't get along with their teammates at all, but they have to come together and, and do their job essentially. So that's something you're just not going to get in a clinical setting, I don't think. Yeah, and what what would you say? I guess some of the biggest skill sets that you've taken from that, other than people management and having to um, make sure that you can, you know, structure things that aren't clinical within an actual day. I think the biggest thing is, is and, and I'm still definitely learning this, is. Um, what what athletes are, are safely willing to put themselves through to be able to train and play and, and i think you know at the end of the day our main role is to to put players in front of the coaches and it's something that you know jed's taught me a fair bit the last couple of months is put players in front of the coaches in a safe manner of course you're not going to be negligent to be able to obviously learn skills or then to be able to play and i think for for, for most physios it'll be it'll work in sport they'll understand that players are, you know can really put themselves into some pretty you know tricky situations to be able to do that willingly of course um so i guess one of the skills is just you know you have your clinical assessment of course but then also you know the player's judgment of, the, of themselves you know you know learning to actually have that discussion around you know are you okay with doing this or are you okay to train at the moment and you know you also have to learn to to get to know the person as well because there are players that of course are going to try and put themselves out there on one leg um, but obviously getting that feel for, you know, getting to know your player, if that makes sense, you know, again, that's probably a soft skill rather than, you know, a Lockman's test or, a, you know, how to mow a joint. But I think that's really important for when you want to, you know, for people wanting to, to work in an elite environment. Yeah, I think we'll touch more on uh, this standpoint later, but uh, one thing that kind of goes along those lines is when someone's, you know, not ready to or non-contact or not ability to train there. I think that's obviously different that, that you can control a lot more and see a lot more and visualize a lot more being within the club. So you probably can start people training quote unquote a lot sooner in certain situations because of the fact that in the grades, you, you know, you, you don't, I mean, like I said, if you understand the sport, you can understand, okay, you can do these drills, you can do those drills, but you're not there and you don't know the general day to day. You don't have the session plan layout. So you can't easily go, okay, these are the ones you can do. And even though it says non-contact, this isn't, you know, really, you're not full tackling each other, you know, you're at a stage where you can do this and that. Is that something that you found as well and ways you can kind of integrate that in better? Yeah, I think the biggest thing in, you know, my old, my old boss, um, Chris Tanny at Stride, we really, you know, we talked about this a lot, him being at, at the storm in a full-time manner, is that the, the big difference is touch points. I mean, we're, we're seeing players every day in an elite environment. I'm sure you can contest to this is, you see them every day, so you see what they can do every day. Whereas in a private setting or a junior elite setting or whatever, I might have you know, you know, Tommy doing straight line runs today, but I don't see him for another week, and I'm not comfortable yeah. to progress him for a whole week. So all of a sudden, his rehab blocks blown out to three weeks. Whereas in the same setting, in an in an elite setting, I guess, you know, we can do we can tick off linear running, 
you know, integrate change to direction and then have some high XL diesel load all in one week. We are in, you know, in a, in a, in any other setting that might take two to three weeks to sort of to tick off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I guess going off of that too, how, how, how do you approach that? How do you approach your consultations and all that? How, how different is that to, to the private setting? What's, what other considerations? You obviously don't have to take as much of a massive history because, you know, when you come in, you, you get that, you read all the players notes and get a general idea of where they're at. So that's, you know, hopefully there for you. And then I guess that's, so that part's a little bit shorter, but I guess what are, what are the differences when that someone does come off with a major injury and assessing and going from there? Yeah, I think obviously from an acute standpoint, I mean, um, one of the nice things about my role at the moment is that I, in a way, I'm not doing a heap of that real acute assessment because that's Jed's role on the field, which takes a little bit of pressure off, but obviously assessment day to day, you know, like most sports, sports clubs that I've had, had experience at, it's, it's essentially triage in the morning, right? You, I mean, you're getting 10 to 15 minutes spots with these with these players. They come in, they how how'd you pull up after yesterday? You know, do we have objective signs that we need to remeasure? It's really quick. Meanwhile, you've got you know the physio room. A lot of players say you know it's it's one of their. Sean Johnson says it's one of his favourite places, not for the fact of being on the bench, but from the fact that it's just so social. Like you got blokes in there. You, you got you're trying to measure someone's lumbar flexion and. You know, blokes are, you know, clapping him in and all that sort of stuff. Like, you've got to deal with a lot of different things. But in the morning, it's largely triage. You know, can this person train? Yes or no. If they can train, you know, what can they do? Um, in rehab, a little bit different, obviously. We want to check on, you know, how did they tolerate yesterday's session? Have there been any changes? You know, the pain behaviour um, signs of things or, or based on their session and then the objective findings, making sure that obviously they're improving, whether it's, you know, your clinical tests or even from a psychological point of view as well. Yeah, and I, th- I think I mean, you touched on it before too, but how how do you, I guess, program and structure differently? You have the ability to see them every day, so it's it's easier to modify and change things, and that's slightly moving. So I guess, do you, do you feel like you program more advanced or less in advanced with the ability of having to see them every day? Because you know, I feel like in the setting you think, you do have to have a plan, obviously, in the long term, and you, and you do program a lot. But with the ability to see and have touch points, that's obviously probably changing daily, almost even with with how they pull up. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I think I'm really lucky in a sense. For, so when I program from the start, that I've got you know a lot of senior clinicians and coaches around me. So you know when you work in sport or you know being around sport, you're going to know you know you know this type of hammy is going to take four to six weeks. So you obviously pro- you, you plan for that. You always have to respect and and one thing i've probably you know you touched on lessons before one thing you do have to respect though at the top of the of the of the pyramid is tissue healing you know you can't you can't just throw that out the window because you're dealing with an elite you know an elite athlete so um we'll progress both functionally with keeping in mind you know if you've got a you know a central tendon you know it, you're not going to make any silly decisions inside two weeks you know of a hamstring so um even if someone is you know symptomatically quite good so i guess we'll always use clinical and functional tests as our number one but also that has to match up with how they're going from a you know from a tissue healing point of view and then yeah if someone is progressing ahead of time and we think it's safe from a you know from a tissue or structural point of view then we'll nudge them along but someone's progressing you know ahead of time but we're still got in the back of our mind you know this is you know there is tenant involvement here and it's only been two weeks then you know we'll just hold hold off of course but then you know, the topic can be expanded so much because then you could have, you know, significant games coming up or, you know, 
obviously not at this time of year, but, you know, player contracts, you know, players wanting to play for their contract, etc. So, you know, we'll push someone as, as much as it's safe to do so, I think. But, um, yeah, there's so many different factors in it once you, you start working in a team environment. Yeah, I guess I said it's true. You obviously have a lot more pressure on yourself. There's a lot more stakes getting a player back, so you are more cautious. Yet at the same time, you're probably pushing them quicker than your average person because you have the ability to have that many touch points. But with with that, how like how does coming up through the grades, uh, working at lower level sporting clubs and building up, uh, help you deal with that the pressure situation? Because obviously. You know, if you're just at the weekend warrior, obviously, you know, it's it's a big thing for the, for them and the coach and et cetera, but it's not, you know, thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line there as well. And um, so obviously there's a little bit more pressure on them and, and as well, they're probably more willing to play through something than, than higher up. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the big thing from, from my point of view is mentors in the past have, have told me like, unfortunately, in this line of work, we're going to break people in in not in, and it's not done on purpose, but we're going to push people. If, if we're doing our job, I think, correctly, we're going to push people and sometimes, you know, we're going to push them too far, unfortunately, and it, and it might set them back a little bit. Now, if you're, if you're breaking every hamstring you get, then obviously you, you need to have a really good look in the mirror. But, you know, work, coming up through the grades, is, it was, was able to teach me how to obviously, you know, if I made a mistake, obviously be able to reflect on it without the pressure of, a head coach or a CEO coming in and, and, you know, pretty much saying, you know, what the, have you done essentially? Um, but I think to be able to make mistakes and reflect on them is really important. And whenever you work up through something in life, I think no matter what it is, you're always going to use your mistakes as well, but also it allows you to, you know, to see what players can put themselves through, you know, junior athletes, as you touched on before, like, you know, there's a lot of pride in, in, in junior sport and, you know, especially in rugby league, you know, juniors are used to, you know, juniors can be signed from a really young age. So although they might not be worth a lot, you know, of dollar signs yet, you know, they're an investment for a club. So, you know, you get to see what works as well, which is, which is really important. And, um, you know, when you work in a team environment as well, if you if you are unfortunate enough to, to make an error um, and you break someone chances are you're still going to be able to work with them within the team setting because they're not going to quit. So you get to see what went wrong and try and fix it. In the private setting, you know, if you make someone worse and they've paid you X amount of dollars, they're probably not coming back. So you've sort of got to reflect and, you know, try and guess what happened, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think what you would agree with too, you can, you know, obviously things things happen and try to mitigate it as much as possible. But with that ability, you have you know you're you're around them more you see them what's happening more which then you can i guess consider and have a look at what potentially could be the contributing factors of it um because you are there a little bit more often than you would be one-on-one private seeing someone 30 minutes a day i guess what are what are things you look at and and reflections when um injuries do happen what are some main key factors you try and look at there yeah for sure well i guess being an elite setting we, we, you know we're super lucky to have you know all the science that you can have. You're a sports scientist. Our players do wellness forms every day. And look, a part of that, you've got to sort of trust they're being honest with you. But, you know, things like sleep and, you know, their, you know, their psychological wellness or readiness to train, um, if they haven't scored highly on that, going and finding out why, why didn't they sleep well last night. Um, and then obviously trying to, you know, use the data we best, best we can to obviously help predict an outcome. I mean, you know, making sure we don't jump you know, 
stupid amounts in volume or high speed running or max velocity or axle D cell. Um, so in the elite setting, we're really lucky to have all that data to be able to use and help plan our rehab to make it, you know, really smooth. Obviously in the team setting, you give someone a plan and oh in the sorry in a, a community setting or a junior setting where you might not have GPS or data, you give someone a plan and you know, they go to training and sort of half do their own thing. You can't really control that. So you know, the fact that we have eyes on, you know, at, at training, we have multiple people watching, um, you know, sessions. It's, you know, if things are to go wrong, we'd like to think that it's it's purely purely unlucky rather than you know anything else because because it really shouldn't be an excuse that we we make that decision where it's not just pure luck. To be fair. Yeah, for sure. Having more eyes and more objective data. Do you do you have things you recommend when you know, like when you're coming, you know, up through the 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 grades ways you try to monitor as much as you can or things that you've done in the past to try and to try and get data when they don't always have the technology yeah i think you know obviously when i first started out we didn't really have um we didn't have gps in the storm and when i first started out in sport in the storm the pathway system so a lot of it was just pure calculations and spreadsheets and um, and trying to, to work, you know, on load monitoring that way, you know, you really want to make sure you, you, you give yourself your best opportunity not to fail, essentially. You know, if you're going to write a session, if you don't have that data in the GPS, et cetera, then you want to try and do your best to at least provide something that you can reflect back on and make sure that, you know, you can continue to reflect back on it. Obviously, once once I started getting around GPS and, and whatnot, I just started trying to ask questions. I think that's really important. I, I think physio... In, in a way, SNC in a way, I should say, you know, there's a lot of internships that are open and, you know, you can go into a sports science internship while you're studying and, and, you know, learn GPS. But for physios, you know, we don't we don't really have a heap of those opportunities. So you've sort of got to go out of your way to ask a heap of questions, um, which I think is, is really important. I think it's really positive, though, obviously just coming out of the private sector. I think, you know, Val, to making it really um, affordable for, for clinics to have at least, you know, four stacks and four frames. Um, and I think if you're working with the athletic population and you don't have that, I'm really passionate that you probably need to refer them on for testing. And if you do refer them on, then, you know, try and go with with the athlete and learn, you know, learn about the data and, and learn about, you know, what it is you're collecting. So uh, that would probably be my points on that. I, I mean, just try and ask as many questions to different people as you can. That's That's the way I've learned so far. Yeah, and then yeah, I think that's that's a good point. And asking above and seeing what they're doing, and and I guess getting, especially with GPS, even if you don't have, obviously in a training session, it's harder because you can't you don't know what they're running with certain drills and stuff. But in rehab, you know, if you know, you can look at the literature and see the data of game based data, et cetera, with NRL, Super League, and so on. And then you can obviously calculate what they're running within a rehab session, even excels and details. I mean, general rough ideas with that. So. Yeah, that's that's a good point there. Uh, so I guess circling back to with uh, back to the the pressure standpoint, have you noticed, and how do you deal with interactions with with the coaching staff? Uh, has it changed? Is there a difference between the lower grades and the higher grades in the professional sporting clubs? Is I guess from your experience, obviously it's very very dependent on the coach, etc. But um, I guess how do you go about with dealing with that? A player gets injured, having to break the news, having to talk through tough situations. Should this player play or should this not? Should this player not play? Um, and I guess going along those lines, how's how has that evolved in in your experiences? Yeah, I think um, 
you know, it's been broken up into two parts. So at the Warriors at the moment, we obviously haven't played a game yet. We play our first one tomorrow night. But from what I could, what I've seen so far with, um, you know, Andrew Webster out, the new coach that's come in, um, you know, he, he's been fantastic to all of us, all of us staff, and and I can't see why that won't. Um, why that won't change because we've built some really good foundations with the coaching staff around what our expectations are and what their expectations are. Um, and, and people who have been at the club have, have really highlighted the change, that he, you know, the, the really great change that he's brought since coming on. Um, obviously, in my role, I, I'm not going to have to, you know, hopefully give him too much, you know, of those heavy decisions. But so it's interesting when you work up, you know, work through the ranks, my last two jobs, I did have to give those decisions. And when I was at the Full Lance, I was with uh, uh, Ben Hart and Josh Fraser, um, both, you know, very well known in AFL circles. And they were both, again, great, um, you know, in supporting me. In, 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 and, and it comes down to honesty, I think, and trust. You know, if, if you trust each other and, and you, you know, uh, uh, I guess that's going to go a long way. One thing I found is when I was making those decisions is you just, you just purely go on the facts. I mean, you don't try and beat around the bush. You just tell them exactly how it is. Tell them, you know, up front what it is. And 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 more, and more times out of lot, they're going to respect that. I think if you go in there and try and fluff around and say, oh, we could try and get him through for this or try and do this, you know, it, you know, it's just I just don't think it's the best look. I think if you can go in there and say, this is what we're dealing with, this is where he's at, I don't believe or, you know, we don't believe that he's done enough to be able to play just tell it straight i think that's you know that's that's a lot easier yeah i think that obviously that conversation is important but how how important you say is setting the expectations early i think in two standpoints and one when you first meet a coach obviously like i said in different roles um not saying like your current role you're going to go to the coach and say this but in like in when you working through the grades and stuff having you know that initial meeting and then kind of setting some general expectations of how they're going to work together and then um and then when an injury does happen, setting some real expectations of like, this is our main principles of management and going from there. It's really interesting, you know, because I always felt, and maybe this is a sign of weakness from my part, but I always felt bad for the player. That was who I mainly felt, you know what I mean? Like I, it was, um, you don't want the player to miss out because anyone who plays sport obviously wants to play. So I think you're just having those best interests in mind. But the other thing as well is you actually, you've got the team's best interests at mind. And if I send a player out on a, you know, on a 75% hamstring and it goes in the first two minutes, we're down a rotation for the rest of the game. And that just doesn't hurt him. It hurts the whole team. Um, and then in a way you, you potentially could contribute to the result then. So I think if, you, if, you know, when you first meet coaches, always ask them what their expectations are, because at the end of the day, it's their team. You know, you're a part of their team. Um, I think, you know, there'd be some brave physios out there, I'm sure, and I've heard stories of you know brave physios who who would be you know more than happy to go straight to the coach and tell them their expectations. But my advice would be to you know ask the coach what their expectations are, and then you've got to either accept that or try and meet in the middle, or you're on the both on the same page. Beauty, let's see how the season um, pans out. But of course, you know it's very easy to say that in preseason, and but when results start coming in. And the pressure ramps up. I think, um, you know, that's where things change, and that's always going to be situational. Yeah, no, I think that's a 
that's a that's a good approach. I started, yeah, I didn't mean necessarily going to go and tell the coach what you're exactly you're doing, but that's that's a good way of approach. That's a good way of approaching that of of asking their expectations and then agreeing or maybe offering slight modifications if needed. I think that's a better, like, that's a really good way to approach that. And and I think that that's I agree with that um, approach to players talking because obviously they wanted to you know they feel like they need to help the team they want to help the team they want to win and and explaining to them what you just mentioned of you know look if you if you do you're not 100% there if you do get injured then the team's down that's so it's it's you know it's it's more of a you know they feel like they're doing a bad part because they're not there you know like they're not helping the team because they're not there but if you put that into their head then they'd be helping them they'd be worse on the team for them to be in there even the coach's standpoint Spot on, and I think another like cheeky way to look at it as well is like we don't pick the team. So obviously you're going to have your players yeah. who just aren't fit to play. They're, that's cl- they're clear. They're injured. They're not playing. But when you when you got coaches that are uh, you know with the players that are you know in that bracket of you know do they play or do they not, you just say that you give the coach the risk. You know there is a risk. This player is not going to get through this. You know he's only ran this fast once. You know we know you know yes he can run that fast. We haven't seen him do it repeatedly, so it's really, you know there is a risk in playing him. Um, then, if they pick him on the back of that, you've given them all the information that you currently have. You haven't made anything new up. You've just given them the information. Then, really, it's on them because at the end of the day, you're not you're not the one that picks the team, and you're not the one that you know that doesn't pick a team. So, and of course, players will then come to you and go, well, "What did you say?" And at the end of the day, it's the same message to them. It's I don't pick the team. I gave the coach you know my advice from purely from a physio point of view and. And he's decided to leave you out this week, so it's that you know you need to go have that conversation with him. Yeah, and I think that's a good one. Of it's, it's always to you. It's they approach you. Can I? Am I? Can I play this weekend? And I guess that's a good point too. You know, it's it's from a medical standpoint, we are allowing you to be you know available for selection. So, and then from there, it's it's always go to the coach from there. So yeah, that's that's a good that's a good good chat there. Ample. It's always ample. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, you touched on it a little bit, but going from, you know, not that you're not trying to, you know, do the best you can throughout the grades, et cetera, but you obviously have a clinical job, you have everything else going on. So you have to be able to do as much as you can in, in a small period of time, whereas now you have the ability to dedicate, you know, your full-time job to working in professional sport. Uh, you have a lot more technology, you have a lot more resources, uh, but do you feel that initially the thoughts like you mentioned a little bit clinically you want to try this and this and it doesn't doesn't always fit in um well, i guess how was how was the transition of is it were you feeling like you wanted to try and implement too much and then you have to realize that you have to figure out what you actually can do and go from there or, or how, how was that for you did you actually transition pretty well and feel like that you had more resources so you could do things better and, and how did you approach all that yeah i think it's it's an interesting like one when, when you sent this question to to me um you know it, before we got on and reflecting on it like i came in with you know obviously super keen and you've got to remember that when you join a new team and this isn't a team that's been started from scratch like i'm the only or me and the strength coach really the only new new members there um they're going to have their ways of doing things um and players are going to be used to those ways of doing things and um you've got to be really careful not to come in and you know, sort of go, well, that's a silly idea because that's that might be working for the player, if that makes sense. And I think sometimes we can get really caught up when we go to, you know, uh, and something I've learned for sure, and I think if the physios at the club 
listen to this podcast, they're going to laugh and probably I'm, I'm going to have to buy them a beer. But you can go to all these conferences and take all the great ideas. But, you know, it's really it's, – sometimes it can be easy when the speakers at those conferences are getting second and third opinions, people coming in and they're willing to try anything and they've got 12 weeks or they've got, you know, eight months to get better. Um and they can really implement, you know, this, you know, great plan. But if we're trying to get someone up to train and, you know, it just doesn't fit into their day, then, you know, it just doesn't fit into their day. Like you've got to go and find another way to, 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 to get the result. So, um, yeah, I think it, 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 you've got to respect what other people do as well. I think within your team, I think that's a really big thing and what they and what works for them because just because it hasn't worked for you in the past doesn't mean it's not working for them um, in this environment as well. So, um yeah ha- having all the data and, and whatnot to be fair that, that's it has been new for me to to just make sure i you know that we've got everything in a line but you know i'm still always you know talking to matt you know about you know should we use this or is this relevant is this not relevant what should i be looking at here so i try and get caught up in it purely for my sake to learn about it and so hopefully that you know when I do make decisions that I'm making the right ones, or at least, you know, I understand the decisions I'm making, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think another question I have based up or kind of back on top of that is, I don't know about yourself, but when you come up through different, like the lower systems, you obviously have a lot more um, general and varied things you're doing throughout the day because there isn't that many staff members. You know, you're having to do a lot more, um, different roles as well whereas obviously the higher up you go you can get you get a little bit more specific there's more staff there's more people doing uh, certain things so which allows you to hone in specifically on on your role um, so you can do more but as you mentioned then you have to figure out how to fit with everyone else and go in there so do you feel like it's giving you the, the ability to then well you might not be doing as broad of things it's you're going more in depth on the more specific things within your role yeah, for sure. And I think on that, like when you're working your way up through the, you know, through junior sport or if you're working community sport, or if you're working in a clinic, like a lot of the time, everyone's in a position of learning where, you know, when you get into elite sport, you're being judged by everyone and, and everyone's going to have an opinion. So if I'm doing something with, with this player, it's, it's not uncharacteristic for another member of the high performance team to come over and say, why are you doing this? You know, what is it doing? You know, so you're always you're always justifying yourself, but it's not in a it's not in a bad way. It's just that now you've got multiple people having opinions about one player or one athlete or one patient, whatever you want to call it. Whereas in the past, you're sort of just doing it yourself. Does it work? Does it not? You can ask for outside help, obviously, but you know it's very rare that I'd have someone you know at the, at the previous clubs I worked at come up to me and challenge me on something I was doing because you just trust that. But I think when you're in you know elite sport and there's so so many stakes on the line and you're dealing with players that are on you know a lot of money then everyone wants to make sure that we succeed because at the end of the day all you know we're all in it together essentially so um that's another point when you know when you're working in you know not in elite sport you you get comfortable in obviously making the decisions yourself usually most of the time not being challenged a lot whereas when you come into elite sport you need you need to be ready to be challenged by everyone including the athlete for sure how do you go about that with it's obviously it's a it's a good thing. It challenges you. It makes you you know stay on top, get on your toes more, making sure you know have everything planned and, and go from there. But um, does it make you second guess yourself more 
Um, and like, how do you, you know, you still have to be confident in what you're doing with, whereas before previously, like I said there, you know, you don't, you don't get challenged, which obviously isn't like you always, the more you get challenged, the more you can grow. Um, but obviously you have that confidence back then. And then obviously not, you know, it's not that they're challenging you in a way that's saying, you know, you're, you know, you're, what you're doing isn't correct and why you're doing that in a bad way, but just more of a question and understanding of why. But I guess, is, is that something that uh, you've had to deal with at all of, of making sure you still have to stay confident in, in a new new environment? Yeah, I think when you're first meeting people, you're always going to be, you know, skeptical of, of, of the motive. But, you know, when you take a step back and it, it, again, it comes down to your ability to, I think, reflect and realize that it's actually, you know, it's coming from, it's always coming from a good place. And whenever it's happened to me, even, you know, before getting to the Warriors, you know, you've got to reflect and say it's coming from a good, you'd hope it's coming from a good place. I know for sure that whenever we challenge each other, um, you know, the Warriors, and, and you know, I'm, I'm starting to find my own as well and start to challenge other people within the team as well. Um, it's always coming from a good place. Like, you know, are we getting the best result for this athlete? And if we're not, can we do something uh, different? And if we are, perfect, carry on. And and I trust that that's what they're doing. That if they if, if people you know challenge me, that's you know that's the reasoning. Because at the end of the day, you know, as a as a team and as a club, we want success, and and we're all involved in that. It's just not me looking after the rehab um, boys acutely, and then going to Matt, going there he is, he's ready for you, and then Matt going to the coaches, all right, he's ready for skills. Like we're all you know playing a part in it, even from the start. I mean, you know, I've had I've had Webby talk to me about always doing, making sure they do catch pass, you know, in the early starts of the, you know, phase of their rehab. He just doesn't want to see him running. He wants to see a ball in their hand, et cetera. So, you know, the challenge can come from all different angles. And when you're in an elite sport environment, you've got to be ready for it. Yeah. And, um, I, yeah, I think, you know, challenge is a word. I, maybe it's a negative connotation, but I think I agree. It's more of, yeah, like a questioning to to help the athlete overall you know like if you know it's, it's not like I said it's not like a negative thing that someone challenges you or anything like that it's more of a way of looking having a conversation i guess more than anything else uh with um i guess the last thing we can kind of touch on here is you know you're an snc and physio so combining those and, and like i said one of your main passions is, is getting people back uh and, and utilizing both of those skills what are what are your main principles um going through those of, of things that you, you focus on in the rehab process. It can be as specific as you want or, or as general as you want. Um, we don't have to go super in-depth, but I, um, I think, like I said, it's just one of your passions of having both of those skills. And so, like I said, what are some things you, you try and focus on um, when you're designing your rehab programs? I think the, the first one, it's always like, it's a very cliche one, but what, what can they do? You know, one thing we're working through at the moment is a player with, you know, a lower limb injury in a cast, probably not what we expected from a medical t- team, um, but it is what it is and we've got to work through it. So what can we be doing, you know, to make sure that they're not losing conditioning, upper body strength, um, you know, opposite limb strength. And I think for the best part, physios who work in sport would be quite good at that, to be fair. Um, and, and I would hope that if somebody is wanting to work in elite sport as a physio, you, you wouldn't need to do any S&C training to, to hopefully have that thought in your head. But also, you know, as physios remember that we do have that knowledge around pathology you know it is our you know it is our niche to obviously understand where the athlete is in regards to their tissue to healing time frames and then match that up to to where you know you know where they are functionally um i think one of the big things is like the, the main reason i wanted to do snc was to be able to be involved in the conversation the whole way through the rehab plan you know i think and even if I'm not leading it, like at the Warriors, I, I don't lead it. But 
at least to be able to have a conversation and understand what's going on rather than just, you know, be out the back door and be done with once the player's back running. I think that's really important. Um, so I would encourage physios, even if you're not going to do, you know, specialist training or, you know, you're not going to do, you know, a degree in SNC or whatnot, but definitely get around SNCs and talk to them. And I think, I think it was Lockie Wilmot that um, talked about, um, you know, the relationship between SNCs and physios will break down if there's no communication there because we, we think that we can do it all and they think they can do it all. But if we actually can get together and talk about it and be collaborative about it, that's probably, you know, my, my key philosophy around, you know, around rehab. At the end of the day, it's, it's having the athlete at the front of our mind. We're there for the athlete to get them back and to get them back better. Um, and you can't feel like you can do it all on your own. So you have to. I think you have to be able to blend between the two. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a good point. With it, kind of builds on what you talked about previously of, of half. Of, I feel like half the job is, is scheduling how to best fit everything in into these into everything you want to get in and making sure they get everything else they need to within their day within their rehab within their um you know footy training so um having that ability to then talk chat with the snc and 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 understanding those principles of you know when when if it's not you know you have rehab you want to get in but if if they're doing uh rehab and uh, on lowers and they're trying to do a running session obviously that doesn't all fit together so trying to understand and, and you know i guess periodize quote unquote that along with them and making sure they align you know is, is a big is a big thing that's important as well um and neither having the you know, ego to go this is a priority at the time regardless of um what days the other one overlap with how they overlap i guess <clears throat> um i guess what w- when you one last question here. When when you came into your role, obviously as a new staff member, and and having the uh, job to take someone through the whole entire rehab program, it's it's a major uh, having the trust of someone, like having to get the trust of the player. Uh, how do you how, how do you how have you approached that? Obviously, um, you know it's, they have to put a major amount of trust in someone, and that's that's a big thing of gaining the trust and going through that whole entire process, especially with the long term rehab. Uh, how have you dealt with that, and how have, how have you built players' trust, and what have your experiences been with that? Yeah, I think that that's one thing. That it's a it's a tricky tricky question because uh, I, th- I think it, it it's all the only thing that's going to do it is time, and I think. You can try and get in there and, you know, speed up that process. And one thing I've figured out in the last 12 weeks is it's still going to be time. And I think the other thing as well is within the team, there are players that are going to work better with other staff members and you have to you have to 100% respect that. You know, one thing, I, I've got some really good relationships with some of the players already. And, and if I know if they're injured, they'll have no problem at all with me taking their rehab. But we do have players where they have got previous relationships with some of the physios and, and Matt. And in that situation, when they're injured, the best thing for us to do as a group and as a collective, and, and, it, and I've, you know, I'd like to think that I've half led this, is you just take the lead on that player. Like, yes, I am the rehab coordinator, but at the end of the day, you've got a really good relationship with this player. This player is happy to tell you about what's going on at home. They're happy about to tell you what's going on with the kids and the misses. You're going to get the best out of them. And I'll be on the background here and, you know, we can talk about their timeline and I'll test them and, you know, we can talk about their numbers and where they're at. But at the end of the day, why don't you be front and center for that? And I think no matter how long I'm at the Warriors, 
I think that will always be the case. And just taking a step back and, and seeing that even with the other physios, there's players that will go to Jed, there's players that will go to David, you know, there's players that will go to Matt, there will players that will go to Balin, the head of, you know, head of performance. And that's going to be in every team. And I've had it in every other team, except when I've worked in my previous teams, I've been it. So if the players didn't like me, you know, we had some really up and down relationships. Whereas in this team, so far, it's been fantastic that I've said, well, and that, it's not that they haven't liked me. I've just, we've just seen that their relationship with this person is better. So um, I think that'll continue, to be honest. I think it doesn't discredit my role as a rehab coordinator. It doesn't mean I do, I'm not doing my job. I just think that, you know, for what the team needs, me not working, you know, hands-on with this player is, is what's going to get the best result. Yeah, I think, I think that goes back to what you touched on before, of even having that relationship with S&C and, and working together. And that's 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 what it is. As, as you mentioned, you obviously, there's such a bigger, broader spectrum of what you have to do at the lower grades because of the minimum amount of staff members. Whereas here, you know, it's you have more resources, so it's figuring out how to utilize them for everyone's best interest. And look, in, in what, previously, that that would that would hurt me. Like that would, you know, it has. Well, it has. Like I've had relationships with players where I've been like, what, why is this not working? Like, but we just don't click. Like we we're not we're not a good fit to work together. And because we, I've been the only other option, we probably haven't got the result that we've wanted. Um, and again, not for one second am I saying I've got any of that at the worries at the moment. It's just more based on you know previous relationships, relationships that have already been built. What's the point in going and you know? trying to build another one just as strong as that one you've got a really strong one there capitalize on it utilize it yeah exactly exactly uh, well i think i think that that covers a lot of what we want to talk about today is is there any if you just want to summarize i guess a couple of main points um main lessons main things you think um people need to take away or should take away from if they want to work in professional sport one day and things they can learn um you know not necessarily like coming up through juniors and, and different grades yeah, for sure. I think the, the first one is obviously get out there and work in sport, work in team settings, work in different sports. I think the other one is uh, be really careful on the internet who who is perceived as an expert and who an actual expert is. Yeah. I, for, I, for one, am definitely not. I, um, and and uh, go straight to the experts when you ask for help. You don't need to come and ask, you know, I think always whenever I've gone to ask for mentors, I've always gone for the, the highest people that I could think of and there's been plenty of times where they, I have not had a response, so be it. But there have been times that I have had responses and, you know, they've opened doors for me to get to get where I am. So don't feel like, you know, definitely if, if people want to ask, you know, anyone a question, obviously do it. But I think always try and ask you know, people who are really experts in their profession, you know, the gurus who have been in sport for several years, you know, tens of years. Um, go to them first and see if you get a response. Um and just, um, you know, try and have always have fun with it. I know that's cliche as well, but we work in sport, hopefully, to, to be in that team environment and to have fun. And if, if you're not enjoying it, if you feel like you're just getting dragged down by the hours or, or whatnot, then, you know, reflect on if, if it's something that you really want to do. Because I think to be successful at this level, unfortunately, it, it is something that, you know, everyone does have to do. I don't think you can just sort of, you know, hope and get there. You know, a couple of years out of uni, you, you've got to put in the hard yards because at the end of the day, it's not about just buying your time because there aren't as many jobs. It's because it's going to help you, you know, get success for your athletes. Yeah, perfect. Great takeaway points there. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for taking the time to be on. Um, really appreciate that. Thanks for having me, mate. Enjoyed it.
Thank you for listening to No Week Links. If you'd enjoy the show and would be able to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that would be much appreciated as it would help the show reach more people. I also provide free strength and conditioning content and injury rehabilitation content on Instagram at Coach Patrick Wood, on my website, www.patrick-wood.com. All this information can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening.